This is Tom from Third Rail Design Lab. This is Narrative Mike. Are you sure? Uh, How can sure I know for sure? Really, from anywhere is unfortunate. So let, yeah, I'm, let, I'm a drifter on the ways of this of this crazy new medium. New. Let me That's see. Let me see your pearl right now. I want to know. <laughs> I want to know who I'm dealing with. Oh my! Oh my! <laughs> can you be? Can you be sir, stabbed or rude. not stabbed? <laughs> I mean, they can, they can all be stabbed. Just some of them were like, meh. And it's time to. Mr. Mike, Mr. Narrative Mike, here we are once again. You are you have you have rapidly emerged as our fourth regular host of this fine podcast. I love it. I love it. This is this is a dream. It's, oddly enough, it's been a dream of mine since since when 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 did I start doing third rail stuff? Uh, like, well, way, way back. Let's see. I start. Well, let's see. I I put the name to my art in two thousand three. Uh huh. And had the forum going maybe later that year, around that year. Sure. I'm guessing the that, earliest art that I see that looks like it was shared on there was around 2006, maybe, or late 2005. Okay. So let's say yeah. 2005. So let's say okay. this is a 15-year in the making dream for you. Wow, it, it, it really is. I mean, I tried to start, like, weekly things on the site. Some had some, some traction. Some did not. <laughs> You're like, so this is, all yeah. the ways Iron Man should be female. Right, right. Reason 46. <laughs> Turnbuckles. <laughs> it was fun. Well, but you know, the thing is, it, and, and the funny thing is, a lot of the people today, maybe even some listeners of this sh this fine show, can't fathom spending any time on a forum. And even then, when we were on a forum, it was, you know, the third or fourth generation down from BBSs and list servers oh, yeah. and things. So, oh, yeah. I mean, it was a snapshot in time, and I still quite like that that medium. But man, it's like, you know, no one would. You, I think it would be entirely spam bots if you created one. It would be all AIs yelling at each other. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a different world now. There was, it was definitely very easy when we started to know when. I was like, yeah, you're not human. <laughs> Yeah, like do you that, remember? Like at one point, like I had it open for a long time, it was fine, and then there was like yeah. this window where all of a sudden we were getting, you know, thirty spam bots a day, Russian trolls, <laughs> like fake, up the fake butt. Russian trolls, and oftentimes they wouldn't say anything, and then all of a sudden you would just get a whole lot of content, and you're mm -hmm. like, I didn't even pay for that. Yeah, yeah. I know what a goat see is now. Yeah, so <laughs> it was, it was some serious business, wasn't it? Yeah, I can't unsee goat see. <laughs> you really can't, can't unsee it, and then you see it in the world, and you're like. Yeah, yeah, there was a Venn, there was a Venn diagram of uh, of uh, Bukaki and Gutsi happening at the same time, and you're like, I don't know who this is the, the target market for, but I know it uh -huh. exists. <laughs> yeah, right, totally, totally. And when we shut the forum down, we put the forum down to like a you know just like a private a private thing, just so that we could keep it uh, manageable. Yeah. You know, it worked for a while, but one by one, I mean, just the reality of it is that people, you know, I don't want to say grew up, but their times changed, and they had other things other yeah. priorities and it dovetailed directly with the with the um dot com collapse the first and quaint recession that we had <laughs> right, right in recent memory right i mean because not only yeah. did a lot of the people that used to to join the forum and communicate on a regular basis to kind of drop off but my commission business i had a two-year 
a two year backlog at that time. And then right, right, right. between 2008 and 2011, it just kind of, it, it just completely tanked, which was fine. But um, when I think about it, I think it's the same principle between the people who had all the discretionary income to buy art, uh, commission art, and the people that had the time and inclination to chat away on a nerd forum. Sure. I think that when times got tougher, they lost their, they lost their, op it was opportunity cost became a thing, right? They lost their right. time as well as their money. Oh know? yeah. And oh, then yeah. by the time they rebounded it, some of them did and some of them didn't. Right. Yeah. And there was something new. Right. Instagram or. Well, yeah. I mean, a lot of people were really hot to, to keep talking on Facebook and, mm -hmm. and, uh, and some other formats, but I just was not having it at all. But the point yeah. though is you were, you were like an active participant on the forum creating subjects for discussion that were, it was super fun. And at the time, until you came out and we had that, that cute, that meet cute in San Francisco. Yeah. But yeah. that one time, that one time, we never talked yeah. in person, right? Nope. Nope. That but that's it. the funny thing about the internet and that sort of thing is that we, you yeah. know, we talked every day on the internet for so many years. Oh yeah. That talking in person was just sort of like a, a you know, a format correction. Right. Right. Yeah. And it was, thought, yeah, there was, I mean, but what's that? No, that's, that's what I'm saying. Oh yeah. No, I mean, but there was, so, I mean, a lot of people think that, I mean, not anymore. Right. I guess it's, it's more our parents' generation really considered that like not, not <laughs> the wind up the modem. No, no yeah, well, <laughs> well, I mean, they just didn't consider that, that, you know, it, that kind of discussion, um, really personal or, you know, life changing is the wrong way to say it, but like, um, here, I'll, I'll give, I'll give an example that makes me look really bad, which is, that's fine. Uh, we all made mistakes in our, in our previous life. So I used to read a comic by Scott Kurtz called uh -huh. PVP. Mm -hmm. Oh yes. There's a, right. Yep. And it, like on most respects, fun comic, pretty good. Just one of the, one of the main characters got this, got this catch thing. Whenever he didn't like something, he would just go gay. Yeah. And yep. there was a point in the co in um, on the forums once where kind of joking, I just went gay. And you sent oh, yeah. me a personal message and we're like, Hey buddy, like, um, like not, not everyone, not everyone on the forums is cis white dude. You might want to tone that down a little bit. And like that, like the, you, you actually were much more polite and very, you know, you gave a good rationale and everything. Like, not that I needed a good rationale. It was, it was a bad behavior. And you called me out and were like, Hey, maybe you want to look to this a little bit. And I was like, Oh, fuck me. My bad. <laughs> you know, that, that's completely yeah. shitty of me. I apologize. <laughs> But I mean, I don't know. But, uh, you say it like that, and you describe this. That's you've you've told that story before. You told that at our at our house when you and your when your wife came. But um, wife, girlfriend. But I mean, partner. But no, whatever. We've been together eleven years. <laughs> like we're not going anywhere. When you brought your better half, uh, yeah, uh, you you told that story, and and I remember thinking, here's the thing, though, and and it's really it's really prescient right now, right? Because yeah, yeah. of the the um, the limping reaction to the Black Lives Matter movement right now and, mm -hmm. and everything that's been mm -hmm. happening at the time of the show, we're in our eighth day or something of protests and and it's incredible. But a lot of really interesting, you know, how, you know how your internet filter is based on the algorithms that are completely wrapped around your 
interests and the way you think and so you're only oh, going to see yeah, what you're yeah. interested in and it's the big problem we have with the polarized political spectrum we have it's terrible but what i find interesting is my whole feed in twitter and in and on instagram is about mm -hmm. is people either coming to the realization or being informed that uh like one half of it is well this has been happening forever and it's and here's here's the groundswell of here's here's we're, we're going to talk about it in the open yeah. Uh, and then the other half, sort of realizing that there's so many other layers of these, this sort of, I don't want to say soft racism, but this more subtle, subtle racism, passive mm -hmm. racism that yeah. they've had yeah. in their lives that they never knew. And yeah. a lot of that has been, I mean, I think it's really fair to say that a lot of that is also because culture has changed and, or I should say, uh, our perspectives white cis white culture has in the right circles evolved enough that people like you and me are more aware of the perspective of people who have a different worldview and life experience than before and the right. internet has been a very positive reason for that happening for us uh, you okay. and i both would probably say we've lived a racist free life and that we're on the right side of you know most issues and that we're sensitive people but when you take that cold, hard look at some of the things you do or did, you realize, mm -hmm. and that's why I think it's interesting that the subject has gone from just, you know, whose life matters and what, what the basic concepts of human rights and justice, and it's shifting into the concept of privilege, which is right. a word that yeah. was thrown around for the last 10 years. I mean, it's thrown around forever, but it's sure. thrown around in cis white, progressive cis white culture has been more aware of the concept of privilege in the last 10 years. But it's only been recent that I think recently that I think more people are realizing white cis gender uh, people are realizing that privilege is so deep and so ingrained in you and often has nothing to do with your choices. But right. it's more about what choices you're allowed to have. Sure. It's sure. the it's the context in which you live. And I think that that's a fundamental shift in how a lot of otherwise already sensitive people were starting to. Are, are getting a bigger a better perspective of how hard it is yeah to yeah make change when almost everything that you or I experience regardless of rich or poor regardless of the specific culture in which we were living in our lives everything that we've experienced is a next level of comfort and safety and security mm -hmm. than what many 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 people in this country and around the world have experienced and it's not just yeah. ethnicity and it's it's you know gender roles and everything else but i mean i think it's amazing we're living at a we're living through a moment right now where that is it's cracked open for the within the filter of the people who are seeing you know the, the choir that's preaching to ourselves right in other words it's affecting us the yeah. sad part is the nature of things is just as the internet is allowing us to have more perspective as well as talking with our friends and getting their perspectives oh, yeah. the people that really need to hear it don't yeah, have a clue they no, still don't have a clue because they be don't get insular. it yeah, yeah. I mean, their news doesn't tell them a thing right. about this yeah right yeah it tells them what they want to hear people right. like hearing what they want to hear right the scared I mean, there's so many people right now saying that everything that's happening is guaranteeing the tanking of this presidency and it's going to be this big you know sea change in november and i look at it the entire the other direction right this is the, the, the very slim minority of people that ultimately are going to swing every election are seeing a very specific polarized 
bit of news content that is just angry black people screaming and throwing things and rioting and a lot of rhetoric. And they, just like every other time in culture this has happened in our history, they're going to vote law and order and stability. Right? And that's the thing that's scary about this. How do you I, get I through to those people? Up, I don't, I, so going back to the forum, though. Our, our experience, though, on the forum was a trust. It was a, it was a safe space, as they say today, if you think about it. Artists yeah. were artists were oh, yeah. artists of we different were... skill levels were encouraged to pr to participate. Yeah, it wasn't about criticism and negativity. It was about positivity. Everyone was encouraged to express themselves to the point they could, and mm -hmm. to be as open as they wanted to, or to be as you know, to ghost if they wanted to. But it was a free it was a free place for that. It wasn't a free oh, yeah. speech place. It was a safe place. Yeah, and I think what is tragic about the the um, that infrastructure infrastructure changing is that those kinds of spaces are fewer and fewer on the internet because everything is about opening the floodgates to a lot of other influence, right? You have subreddits that are very specific and isolated and then something cracks in and then all of a sudden it's blown, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, Reddit's its own, Reddit's its own monster at this point. <laughs> like, it started off as something solid and it's become like yeah. there's still good places on Reddit. Sure. There's still there still exists. But like yeah, it it Yeah, I don't know. It's so whenever free, freedom. Freedom's a weird thing, right? Right. Because you gotta you gotta let everybody be who they wanna be, even if you don't agree with them, right? right. Even if they are dangerous. Right. It's it's until they until they do something dangerous doesn't matter like you're allowed to be who you want to be even right. if i think you're a freaking nutbag right because that that's important because there's a whole bunch of people who think that my lifestyle with my partner is crazy it's like well why aren't you married it's like because we don't want to get fucking married well, especially when you have the sideburns the big long yeah shot. right i mean right. nobody wants to, nobody wants to marry a person with sideburns <laughs> um but the forum wasn't but, a free speech environment. It was a no, safe no. environment for was, a, for a certain mindset. It, it is, but I mean, I'm I'm just saying that we've kind of we've kind of built these structures now where it's like it's free all the way down, right? The deeper you dig, the more the it's, it's free, it's free, it's free, it's free, it's free. But it's it's only free for the people who are playing with it, right? Right. Everybody else just doesn't go there, all right? Which isn't isn't the same thing as being open or safe. But it is like, I mean, it's it's why the the end cells have their freaking, you know, their little communities, and the the white supremacists have theirs, and the yeah, whoever has whoever. It's just like there's all these little groups where it's like, look, they're not actually doing anything right now, so I can't really do anything about it. They're allowed well, to say whatever they want. Well, I mean, I used to be a law and order law and order obsessive, and but not the not the kind that puts us in the, such dire straits in this country. But I mean, watching the show. And, uh, the, the yeah. And, okay. you know, like I love the episodes where they were up against the, the deep gray areas of law and logic and, uh, interpretive intent of the constitution, which is what I found sure. fascinating much more than literal. And had I only known that we would be in a scenario 10 years, 15 years later, where the Supreme court was all literal constitutionalists, which is a uh. totally different problem. But in that show, I always the ones that I thought were the most interesting were when whatever that murder of the week was led to them being in a position to say, 
you know, where does democracy and freedom end and safety begin? Right. And that's something that we have been living through in the modern era, a huge ripple effect. And the radical, the radicalized people have all the warnings about, oh, we've, we've given up our freedoms for security and it's going to bite us in the ass. And to some degree, maybe that's true. The regime changes and then you're in trouble. Right. Right. I can see that perspective. But on the other hand, look at the old thing when we were younger, it was don't, you can't yell fire in a crowded theater. Right. 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 It's the same concept as. Well, sure. But I mean, like, I I never, I never would have considered myself a state's rights advocate ever. I was a strong federalist going up and like the world shifted. I'm like, no, no, no. I see, I see, I see your point. My bad. Yeah. bad. Yeah. Right. Strong, strong central, maybe not the best plan. Maybe equal powers. I'm okay with that. Right. No, it's um, like maybe maybe the local group gets to make their own choices. Fair. <laughs> well, but but we see it in the same but we see it the same way that um, maybe the ideological opposition has argued for many years. Sure. Um, sure. One hundred percent. It's the 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 government's right when we agree with the government. And the states, the states' rights yeah. are important when we agree with our states' leadership, sure. and so on. So, I mean, I think it's it's an interesting problem. I mean, because not the even internet, our states, it, it, yeah, like a states, like when yeah. when there is some when there yeah. is some pushback that you agree with, you're like, yes, that should happen. We should all be able to do this. Well, right? and that's one of the reasons why our, our political system is so is so um, corrupted at this point, though, because the concept of the Congress was the body of state leadership to help guide and govern the national government that was to serve the states. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's well, yeah, yeah, serve the people. Yeah, people yeah, states. Right. But that's the, but well, I mean, isn't that the principle? The fundamental difference between the state and a nation state was right, you're, you're hitting, you're hitting on my, you're hitting on my weakest subject. Oh, well, I am not, I'm not civics. I'm, I'm terrible. I was terrible at civics. The states exist because of a whole lot of people being afraid and having a lot of bad taste about a central, sure. i.e., monarchical, monarchical sure. leadership. So anyway, yeah. I'm just saying the the concept of the of the Congress is to be the voice of the people, and the concept right. of the president is to be the act, you know, is to be you know the one guy that gets to make the has to be the one to pull the trigger on sure. things. Sure, the one, yeah, the where right. the buck stops, right? Right. And, and and almost nothing that we've experienced in recent years was envisioned when the country was founded, right? So anyway, I think anyway going back place. to the, yeah we are <laughs> well going back to the forum though and going back to the internet I think the reason why that concept from Law and Order and that concept from yelling fire in the theater is interesting to me is that the free speech issue has become really interesting because it was one thing when it was the horrible people ranting on this ranting. You know, protesting, sure. yeah. protesting at the funeral and right, right. walking down the street screaming or like, uh, you know, up on the soapbox with the what, you know, with the thing. That's yeah. one thing. Those were individual voices or groups making statements and then the masses could react to it the way they wanted to react to it. Right. But with the Internet, there's no yeah. filter. There's no con- context, a no. lot of fakery and manipulation I mean, of information. And so. It, it becomes much more dangerous. That, that just like we found each other, right? Yes. Like minded yes. souls. Previously, there was one of those nutbags per city, and now they formed coalitions, and sadly, right. they've become influential. Right. Well, that's true. Well, so you anyway, know? it was a dream of yours 
15 years ago to one day be in an audiovisual, chitty chatty, content creating environment with me, and here we are. Yeah. One. I'm not gonna say it was 100 percent this. But it was exactly yes. this. It was exactly this. You're right. Right down, I, right down to imagine. our collective backgrounds. <laughs> <laughs> I'd wow. have a Mandalorian in my background and you would have all the comics you could ever read. That has always been a dream. That's fair. That, that, yeah. that has been a dream. So listen, let's, uh, before we go further down the well, and obviously it's never been a podcast that had to be particularly structured. Even when we tried to, it was just a, you know, helpful driving suggestions like the traffic sure. lights. Right. Sure. Um, but, uh, you and I go way off, we go way off the res. So let me ask, let me ask you this while we can. What's, uh, let's do our sucking the monkey segment. What are let's you, what are you consuming? All right. So I am, I am consuming a staple in the Dr. Zero and Booth household. Oh yes. Coppola Claret. Oh yes. Yes. It's a red blend. It's very, very tasty. Yeah. So yeah, this is pretty much, just, it's a, actually it's a cat. My bad. I thought it was a blend. My bad. So I suck. It's just a cab. Yeah. So that, it's a stable in the household. We pop nice. it open whenever we want something nice. Nice. Uh, I'm having. Um, <laughs> I'm having a delicious espresso, and then, oh. uh, and then I'm going to be having some juice and a lot of juice, and I'll tell you why. Uh, I've been working in my office, and uh, there's no insulation here, so and we've been in. Out. In that heat wave that you mock, the dry heat heat wave that you mock, but uh, I got to tell you, it's another day of working in the 90s in this room, and I was definitely feeling it. Well, I mean, if you don't hydrate, brother, it's well, deadly. I was, I was pounding water, but I, I was sweating buckets. I mean, that's, that's the nice and... thing about the, the nasty heat of Memphis, was the fact that it was wet. Right. You, you never lost moisture, because you were in it. <laughs> Out I here, saw, it gets hot. I saw True Blood. Like almost dead. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> true Blood taught me the worst thing possible. Well, and that's not really true. But the sort of worst thing possible in the South would be to be a fry cook. Hmm. It was not a fun position. No. Because <laughs> no. you come home, A, just drenched in grease and sweaty yeah. And yeah. everything's wet. It's just horrible. It was. Oh, I yeah. would burn those clothes. But all just those images of him behind the thing with his hairnet on, and he's all nasty. Oh, yeah. It's like, ah. Plus vampire, vampires and stuff. It's like, Ugh. I but, miss uh, Lafayette. He was such a good actor. What? So did he pass away? Yeah, he passed. I away. was thinking about that this morning for some totally. Other he reason. was. Um, he had a really awesome character in uh, Elementary. If you ever watched that, I, I never got and, to it. Uh, I love this, it. This is with uh, Lucy, Lucy, mm-hmm. Lucy, Lucy Liu, Liu. and Johnny Lee Miller. Mm-hmm. Oh yes, and Sherlock Holmes and Watson. Yes, sir. And uh, it's on my list still. So, so, he, so, have you ever talked about this? Probably not. We have. So, not. there was a stage production of Frankenstein, which starred two. You know, depending on who you were, where you were in culture, relatively unknown actors, right? John Lee Miller. I thought they and, did that afterwards. So okay. they were doing that. Okay, okay. Right, and then they Go both on. got they both got jobs doing Sherlock Holmes, <laughs> and like there is like my head canon is Ruby and I talk about this is that because Benedict Cumberbatch was doing Sherlock, right? Yeah, yeah. And then Elementary got greenlit, right? And I'm almost pot like they're friends, yeah. <laughs> like they've done multiple shows together or they're colleagues at least, and it's like it's. 
I can't imagine that you get that notice and you're like, what are Benedict's doing with it? You know, and you call him, hey, Benedict, which way are you taking this character? Because I think I'm going to take it the drug addiction path. Which way are you <laughs> right, going? Right. It's like, I'm going sociopath. <laughs> oh, rock. Great. Good. 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 I think we're going to be good then. <laughs> we all make choices. <laughs> yeah. Because, I mean, um, the first couple seasons of Elementary are a very good uh, representation of overcoming substance abuse. Mm-hmm. Especially with someone who is highly intelligent, like the fact where you're like I'm smart enough to not be a, not be an addict. It's like no, no brother or oh, sister. Yeah. No one's smart enough not to be an addict. You just, you know, it's just not the way it works. You can't think your way out of it. Um, and then it grows from there, and it becomes a very amazing kind of character study of what what addiction and what recovering addiction looks like. Um, and there's lots of other stuff thrown in, like their their version of Moriarty and Mycroft. I find very interesting. Mm-hmm. Not 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 very literal, mm-hmm. right? Did so you, so did you watch stories. both of those series to I completion? Did. Okay, I did. Mm-hmm. So I never got to uh, Elementary, despite mm-hmm. liking both of those cast members, one of them a lot, and then uh, and then I watched maybe the first two as they say overseas, series of uh, Sherlock. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that started to um, uh, pull me out of it was that the tone of Sherlock was that particularly British, um, really the smugness when he reveals the, the <laughs> mat, you know, his, the detailed yeah. breakdown of yeah. the, of the, yeah. of the crime or what the mystery was. There was nothing humble about his, not to say that, as opposed to the American way, because there's nothing humble about the American way, but there's no. a certain there's a certain uh, like clever smugness and conceit yeah. to his to his version of that character. And I will give them credit; he was he it was a flawed character, yeah. And he got slapped for it, like it, in the in the story. Yeah, he had he had problems. He he had problems in yeah. relate, relating with people. A hundred percent. Yeah, that was um, one of the yeah one of the tenets of the character. Yeah. But the hard part is you have to get through it enough. To accept, sure. it, it's almost like fourth. It's almost like a fourth wall because, sure, y- y- his character gets to be smug and and demonstrative when he reveals all, um, and it, that flaw is part of the character. But at the same time, it's it's part of the show's conceit that you still get to thrill in him laying it all out for everybody. Yeah. So you're right. kind of like you're 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 um, complicit in it. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. So you got to his you got to his death. You got to the, the fall. No. Yes. You never saw post. Yeah. So, no, I think, I believe that if you watch the, the next episode, the beginning yeah. of the third season, uh-huh. with with the reveal that he is not dead, and Watson's, like, there is a montage that I think you will find okay, very great. satisfying <laughs> of Watson and Holmes. Did you think, did you think when, um, like how how did you find his casting when he showed up in the MCU? And I don't mean. You mean as him as Steve Strange? I'm not talking about Cumberbatch. I'm talking about. Oh, you mean Martin Freeman? Martin Freeman, wasn't that? I mean, I didn't even realize. I can't remember now whether I saw that casting in the news, you know, in our little websites and stuff before it happened. But I remembered, regardless of what I thought it would be, whatever perspective I had. Going in, I thought, and until Black Panther, when they gave him a little bit of whimsy, mm-hmm. 
I was shocked at how straight laced he was as a as a character in Cap. Right? Mm-hmm. I was like, you took Martin Freeman and you did this. First, yeah. I was like, oh, what a waste. And then the second thing, I was like, well, actually, why does it have to be a waste? Maybe that's really interesting. I, I really so he was playing against I, type. Let's put it that way. Like honestly, I do not remember him from Cap. I know that's terrible. Well, but... he's well, he goes in. I mean, Civil War, right? He's yeah. demanding. He's demanding the turn over the shield and all that, right? Right, but I mean, not really much character there. Just no. okay, shield agent, popular, whatever. But I really felt that his portrayal of a shield agent in Black Panther was interesting. I, I did find interest. He was much more of a field agent than yes. he'd ever seen before. Like but he was, but the he was sense like, was that he wasn't supposed to be, though. No, the right. sense was that he fell off the desk, and he and he's mm-hmm. because of the right. con- the geographical context, he was now in it. Right. right. Which I and love then, that kind of story. And then him, like him dealing with especially Shiri, like when yeah, like when he wakes up and she's like, "Hello, colonizer," and I'm like, "Okay, oh. that's a, that's an amazing term." I <laughs> yes. love that. Yes. <laughs> um, and then him just being like, "What is all this?" And she's like, "Please don't touch anything." You know, it's oh, like yeah. you're so far outside of your depth. It's not even funny. I'm like, they... up to this point, he was at least an intelligence agent on yeah. a field desk for this country. And he's like, "What the fuck is going on?" Like, all of our intelligence is wrong about you. And it's like, yes, yes, it is. I have a, I have a Shuri comment, but before that, I want to say, mm-hmm. on the subject of the desk agent or the management that has fallen into the field and having to mm-hmm. deal, it's the one thing I loved about. I mean, not only just loving the actor, but what's what I really liked about the Jack Ryan character as Harrison Ford played it, mm-hmm. as an analyst who was thrust into the field, which was right. a very specific thing, yeah. versus other interpretations of that character, which are not that. Um, I, so, I mean, I haven't seen, I have not seen the Amazon one with uh, with John Frusinski, but just, I, I like the first season of that. The second yeah. season just became very action heroy for me, and I was like, oh, eh. okay. But I mean, you know, I like, but that's what I really enjoyed about it because, and we were on the, we hadn't even begun to see all the cool spy shit that we were going to get with Bourne and everything to come. But what right. I really liked about that story, just having grown up loving espionage stories, was mm-hmm. this was not a a high trained covert ops guy with all the martial arts. This is a guy who's running. He's in a tie and a suit, like a a coat and a tie because that's, he's comfortable in that way. Like that, what that was that guy. Um, And, you know, if you could digitally erase Ann Archer out of that, those movies, uh, they would probably be perfect. Uh, But wait, who are you erasing? Archer and Archer, his wife with the, smug condescending looking smile that she always does i don't remember her at all in those movies uh so it's it's quite possible at this stage in my life and the degree of dehydration and stress that i'm in that i'm merging projects but did she not drive did she not drive with the kids into a freeway barricade full of the water barrels and he Am I not? Am I merging that into another movie? What the hell? I don't know. I'm looking, I'm looking up in Archer. One second. <laughs> We're going to get to the bottom of this right now. Because if she's never in that movie, it makes it even better. <laughs> I see it so vis- vividly in my head, but maybe... Was, wait, wasn't that wasn't that one of the Harrison Ford movies? Well, that's what I'm saying. 
Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were saying she was in um, she was in Black Panther. I'm like, I did not. Oh, know what you're I hadn't. I hadn't. Sh I hadn't shifted back yet. I'm saying if you took Ann Archer like, out of Ann the Archer? Patriot Games movies, like, but do you Ann understand? Archer's married to Morgan Freeman. I just I'm hate like, her. But Morgan, the... Freeman. Morgan Freeman. That's how dare you? So how dare you? How dare you? But so like, I mean, but that's After the thing. I was so lost. I was like, whoa, what? <laughs> But you see okay. how I'm like totally willing to accept that yeah. my brain was c completely yeah. fusing projects yeah. and that didn't even happen. I mean, who knows? Mm. There's no way to know for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. We are we are a a latticework of interconnected patterns. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, blue pulsing uh, space energy mm -hmm. glued to the gangplank of the cargo hold. Now the thing is, Ann Archer just always drove me nuts. She was meant to be a sympathetic um, character and. Mm -hmm cast for that reason because of her expressions and her mannerisms but i always just found her to have a weird sort of smarmy squinty uh so condescending smile and i drove me crazy no liking it's it's like how people hate um oh what's her name god uh, i had her i had her name until, until that one that was in that one project exactly that one in that thing with that, with that person <laughs> that, thing um, that you that you didn't like uh andy mcdowell it's like people, people? Have, people yeah people hate andy mcdowell like she has no range, and she does that thing with her with her voice, and I'm like, ah, that's just. It just goes fine. to show it's just yeah. it's all subjective. I think she's just fine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I like I loved her since Hudson Hawk. Like, sure. just, you know, it's like. It's, it's oh my god, Hudson, Hudson Hawk. Hawk! Oh my god, I love it so much. Oh, okay. So 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 anyway, going mm. back to um, Black Panther. Right. right. I like that about that version of him as a character that we yeah. were introduced to him and it was yeah. organic because he had that range. We were introduced right. to him as this much more hard edged, mm -hmm. um, maybe softer spoken and less uh, jockey fed federal agent, but oh, yeah. very in control. And then right. we saw him having to step into it, particularly when he's cyber fighting, whatever it is in oh, the cockpit I mean, I at the end. I loved, I mean, that was, uh, again, Chekhov's gun, right? I know we, every, every episode of this podcast, we have to mention Chekhov's gun, but it was such a throwaway line. Oh, Air Force, were you, and he's like, I was a pilot. And they're like, oh, okay, sure. Whatever you say, desk <laughs> jockey. Like, now you're flying a desk, huh? You know, and then later in the movie, he's like, all right, I'm going to fly this thing now. <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay, you're right. You're a pilot. Well, talking about how uh, how fast time flies, but do you remember that at the time there were all these haters that said that Shuri was a Mary Sue because she was just so uh, so intelligent and so sharp and so humble and so young and yet so brilliant and and could do anything with tech and everything else, and uh, and I thought that it was very organic what they did with her. But at the time there was pushback well, on her, who said not by that? us, some guy, some other guy. I'm just right. saying well, I mean, there were people yeah. that complained about that. As that version of that character as being just the need to shoehorn in a super brilliant scientist and they just shoved it into that character. And I thought that once going back to our current day issues or ongoing surge of ongoing issues, I think it's a racist implication. It's a sexist and, a, and an ageist and a racist implication that that character wouldn't be what she was in that film. Oh, there was I agree. There was, there was nothing wrong with Shuri's character. She had flaws. She wasn't mature. Like, she was a child. Like, yeah. she made choices that were childish, which is fine because she was. She's like gloves very... without hands in them, without right. fingers in them. Yes. Yeah, it's like she's very smart. Yeah. She's brilliant, in fact. 
people yeah. can be brilliant and like it's why I love Riri and everyone like hated Riri Williams. And I'm like, why are you hating this character? This character's fantastic. Now you say like, that, and I was just gonna bring this up. We probably have talked about this before. We must have. But I felt like the organic thing in the MCU for them to do was to merge Riri and Shuri together because Shuri has the intellectual and experiential components baked into the character that you could see her taking on an Iron Man type role. And I feel like we talked about this and I feel like you, and if it wasn't you, someone, or maybe just me talking to myself in the hot tub, came to the conclusion that why, why, why combine two uh, characters of color when we can have more characters of color? So it's a better idea. We did talk about this. Yes. No, I think it's, I'll still take credit for it. That's white privilege. I'll do that. No, no. I mean, I think we did talk about it. We both came to the, the point. It's like, yes, you could do this, but but why would you? Like, right. it's like we've taken like, yeah, we don't need Tony Stark and Batman. Why don't we just make him one dude? Yeah, right. You know, right. It's like it's no, we would never do that. We would never. Even but at the same time, Batman Beyond. But that's not the point. That was yeah. That, so. But I, but I, but I, but I actually really like when the film continuity does interesting things that subvert your expectations based on what the comics continuity was doing. I'm really intrigued. For example, we talked about in our, you know, couple of trips back down the well of the Trank wreck, Mm -hmm. how the draft of Fantastic Four had Dr. Doom being ultimately becoming a Herald of Galactus. Right. Interesting idea. What a great idea. Very interesting idea because... Name a Herald of Galactus. Well, I mean, I can, but like, there are very few Heralds of Galactus where you're like, "Oh, great! I love that. Love that that dude's coming by." Terax. You know? Yeah. Right. Well. Yeah. Oh God, Terax and cycle. Like, oh, <laughs> but but also by the same token, um, I think we were also talking. I think you were in this conversation, right? Where we we're talking about interesting things to do with Fantastic Four, and the yeah. idea being that Reed Richards becomes Doctor Doom. Right. Yeah. I've always loved that, that would be amazing. And we Man, got it to the, some degree in that, the ultimate the, world, right? Right. That's the Earth X. That's oh, the yeah. Earth X outcome. Is oh, that sure. He takes over Doom's mantle. Right. And, right. Right. Um, and is and Franklin becomes Galactus at that point. But in the but in a live action context, I think that would be a real shocker. Oh, yeah, that people. would be. I'm sure how you would. You would that would that's like a franchise. Like you have to get. You have to get past having one non-shitty movie before you can get to that story. It's, it's true. It's fair. I'm doing fantasy. I think I told you this. I'm doing fantasy casting of Fantastic Four for yeah. Chris's uh, magazine, and and I keep bouncing around in my in my casting on a couple of the characters because I was really inspired by how freely that project was willing to buck certain. Oh, yeah. uh, expectations, particularly with Michael B. Jordan, right? Mm-hmm. But then Ooh, on the other end, fantastic. And, and remember, he sleeps with his gun because of it. But uh, but uh, but on the other <laughs> the train wreck. But uh, but on the other hand, uh, there's also something really fun about trying to capture your vision from comics into a human and trying yeah. to get that part in. And that's that's what makes fantasy casting so much fun. I think. Now I will say, unexpectedly. All right. Chris Evans, Johnny Storm, was delightful. He really was. Like, I mean, like, there's that scene where everyone else is getting their powers and they're all freaked out. And they get to Johnny in the snow after he's oh, turned yeah. into the human fireball. Oh, yeah. He's like, I can do this. And yeah, and he's snapping. Light, yeah. And he's yeah, just yeah. like, 
I can light on fire. And it's like, Johnny, what the hell is I think wrong it's Well, and I think he, he's he played Captain America long enough that some people forgot he had that range. But he is very charismatic and funny. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah, I think that great. that... Uh, I wouldn't trade his cap for anything. I mean, I no, that's, no, that's he's like, a fantastic Captain America. That's like Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. It's like there are a lot of options, but I'm, I'm glad they did what they did. But man, in this alternate universe where he's still Johnny Storm in casting, yeah. that yeah. was possibly a better fit. I guess one way of putting it would be that he fit, he fit Johnny Storm. Yeah really well whereas iron man was molded to fit robert downey jr yeah iron man has definitely changed like right? it, it's really interesting being longtime iron man fans and watching robert downey jr come in and be like no that's who he should have been all along you're right you're you're right Making but going that. but going back to our childhood that we share reading iron man comics mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. iron man was the big brain in the room and oh, always sometimes gracious but if he was gracious, he was choosing to be gracious. Yeah. Usually he was cocksure. And yeah. usually but but my mental my mental image of him in the comics for so long was not he had the bravado and you know he was sleeping around and they were trying to pull in all of the Cary Grant stuff and the yeah. James Bondy stuff and being with all the women and being the playboy and all that stuff. But the thread, the through line that I would read was that this was the guy that was so he was not only smarter than everybody else by a mile, next level thinker, but also yeah. he was doing things that were destructive because the burden on knowing the burden on his in, that his intellect presented for him. Mm-hmm. He he had a failing. His weakness was he couldn't yeah. deal with it psychologically. Yeah, and he no, fell into vices and vulnerable things because it was too much pressure to be to know that much and know where things were going because it was not always a good thing. Right. And in later right. comics, there was these, these, I mean, I think that they went all over the place with him and a lot of modern Iron Man comics I didn't enjoy, but there was this sure. whole, se- that whole sequence where a lot of stuff that fed into the movies, the sequences where, you know, he's building the, the big, the, the engine to try to defend the earth against the collision of the multi earths and, yeah. and, you know, trying to stop, ultimate threats and feeling this incredible burden of responsibility. It's all the mm-hmm. stuff that I find fascinating. It's the stuff we talked about, like is missing from Superman live yeah. action. Superman stuff is yeah. like, you know, how could you ever rest? If you knew somewhere on the other side of the planet, someone needs you. Right. Yeah. Right. I like the idea yeah. that Tony Stark was drinking and flirting and screwing around and doing stupid shit because he had this soul crushing sense of guilt over his parents and guilt over the things he could be doing. Right, but isn't or isn't yeah. somehow who should be able to do and hasn't cracked, right? Right. Why can't I yeah. save the world? Right, His right. messiah complex, right? I think it's fascinating. Yeah. It is. No, I mean he's a very interesting character, and I know I've said it before, but the funny thing is he is not my Iron Man. Right. Rhodey right. is my Iron Man. Like yeah, when I started being Iron Man, Rhodey was Iron Man, and Tony was a drunk in an alleyway. Yeah. <laughs> You know, when I and started reading Iron Man, I think you too, right? We he had already handed it off. Yeah, like I, yeah. I think I came in to maybe a couple of ep- issues in when I came in. I can, I can visual, I can see it in my mind's eye. I don't remember what issue it is, but Rhodey was having headaches. So yeah. he was fighting, oh, oh but God. he was starting to have headaches. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, 
and, and as like, someone who and like, didn't yet have headaches but had parents who had headaches, right. I was like, that's really realistic and weird. Right? Yeah, yeah. And staggering Luke, McDon Luke McDonald drawing him like staggering bent over yeah. an alley in the snow, and right, he's right. Like, trying to take the helmet off. You know? Yeah. And there's, uh, I remember because I was reading, my grandmother bought me an Iron Man and some other stuff, and an Avengers, and it was, um, it was, it's, I can remember the cover of it. It's the, uh, the Absorbing Man. Like yeah. giant oh, yeah. coming out of coming yeah. out of like the hull of a ship and all the Avengers coming after him and it was you know the it, there was like a bit with Beast in there about how Beast was you know coming to grips with being having turned himself right. fuzzy right which, oh uh, that's right the fuzzy Beast <laughs> yeah which yep. it's so funny because the modern I mean the modern myth for Beast is that you know he became fuzzy and doesn't want to be fuzzy anymore and wants the mutation to go back. That's right. that's not what that's not what happened. Like that fuzzy bit was Beast injecting himself to give himself like mutant steroids to make himself stronger and faster and better, and didn't like cut it off in time. Like right. he did that to himself. I mean, uh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. It's it's because I mean, like the modern movies have turned it into the secondary gender, the second. The second gen mutation, secondary mu mutations, yeah, right, which made him, which made him fuzzy, and he's like, I don't want to be fuzzy, you know, and it's like, mm, that's a way to take that story, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but like, um, I absolutely, I mean, it's he was, he was great, and and uh, unfortunately, was in the wrong version of the movies. But Kelsey Grammer's Beast, yeah, was fucking amazing, because no, that good. was a really close match to my. Yeah, my yeah. my beast because yeah, I yeah. came in after him just being in the swimsuit bouncing upside down on Avengers covers. Sure, and sure. I came in and Beast was suit and you know like the the yeah. vest and the ascot and the pipe and he's yeah. reading. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. That's that's okay. my beast too. So yeah, I don't know. I actually really liked I really liked Nicholas Holt's Beast. I thought Me he too. did a really good job. Like uh, as a as a young Hank McCoy yeah. kind of trying to find his way in the world. Have you started watching the uh, the pro project with him and uh, 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 oof, what's her name? It's uh, it's based on um, Peter the Great and oh uh, the Great Catherine so yeah uh, the Great yeah, Catherine the Great yeah 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 yep. no I have not um, I really want that to. looks really it looks good so good because it's it's him and the shit the youngest um... yeah. That one that was in that thing that you like. I know, right? Oh my god! Oh my god! Why is this happening? Like I know actors' names. We're um, old and we're hot, and she's oh, young and she's. What is her name? The uh, great. Her, like I'm just gonna oldest, look it up because we don't yeah, have time for this shit. Yeah, she was in Melissa Fent. Her older yeah, sister yeah. was Ellie, uh, Ellie Fanning. Ella Fanning, right, 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 right. Yeah. <laughs> the youngest of the ones. I'm. Sh I'm sure she'd love that. Publicist like cease cease and desist, please. Yeah, I mean her sisters her sisters are older. Sorry. <laughs> That's right. Accurate. Um, but anyway, that looks like a fascinating project. I can't wait. Yeah, I'm just waiting no, for I'm, my wife yeah. and I to be able to spend some time and watch it because it looks um subversive. Yeah, Ruby and I, I like are historical are subversive stories, you know? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So 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 okay. So we spun out hard oh. and we slipped into orbit there. We slipped out of orbit. We were starting to fall. Do you want to, oh, for, for those in the audience, you want to make a, we'll make a poll. Who is surprised? <laughs> <laughs> you and I will together, we'll reach for that Lagrange point that we can get back to and, uh, and we're back in orbit. So um, 
I thought perhaps we would talk about a few Red Sky Roundup news items, but not an entire episode of them, because we actually do have a subject that we are going to talk about tonight. But but what? there have been a so few more say, news bits, and they're directly related to other news bits that we've talked about. All right. The first news bit. Okay. This first item involves uh, Ruby Rose and her leaving Batwoman, as we talked about. Right. Did you read their concept for what they're going to do after she's gone for the new season? I did not. I I it's, read that they 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 had thought about ha- hosting some folks, but no. So go, go um, it's about as limp as you possibly could do for something like this. They're going to not only recast, but they're going to put mm-hmm. a different person in the costume. So Kane will not be Batwoman. They're not going to just recast and run with it. They're going to put sure. a different character in the suit. And to me, less that is so. Uh, tame it's so safe to do that mm. and yeah. I, I don't know i was really hoping that they were going to do something bolder and actually i mean they're not just it's not just that they're going to put another character in the costume that's related to her and her story which they have a lot of ammunition i assume if they followed anything from the comics they've got a lot of ammunition that they could mm. use but my sense was they're just going to do a whole new character just start from scratch and I find that lame. Well, they can I don't like certainly it. make it appealing if they do that, I guess. Or, I mean, do, or does it? I, I don't know. I, I I love Ruby Rose. I did not watch Batwoman because I'm completely behind on my Arrowverse. We like, can still have opinions about the thing we didn't see. We can. <laughs> and have no uh, investment uh, I, in like, it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how. Like, I almost started it. And then I realized I was so freaking behind on Arrowverse. I'm like, maybe I should catch up. I'll catch up and then I'll have an opinion. Um, I guess what I'm saying is I can imagine. So there's any number of these kinds of shows where if the actor left and they wanted to keep going within the beats of the story, they would just say, okay, well, uh, this is her, you know, and Batwoman. Here's her sister. Right. And it's just a character that's never, you know, not never been on the show, but this is a quick and easy explanation as to how it happens. But what I was hoping for, and again, don't watch the show. Don't know if it really would work, but. I like the idea of them taking a character from the show and putting them in the costume. That's I what agree. I'm getting at. It's or, like taking one of the supporting characters and putting them. It's the put. It's it's putting uh, Grayson in the Batman costume, right? I'm cool with that. I think that'd be cool. I also think that if they actually pulled a, like a Cassandra Kane, right? Cassandra Kane is that the right? Cassa- is that uh, last name? Cassandra. So that's a different Kane. Right, Cassandra but okay, Kane, but, and you're talking about and Kathy Kane, Kane right? But right, different right. spelling okay. and everything. I was like, "Is it Kane?" But anyway, yeah. so but like, or you're talking about orphan and mute I Batwoman, am. yeah, right. So yeah, it's so like we had Batwoman, and like everyone's like, "Who the f is this?" And like, was it like it was like for at least ten issues? They never told you. Like, I really like that. I liked yeah, it, it was, at that it point. It was a comic about did, like yeah. like mm, nah, it's it's someone being that person. What are you gonna do about it? Oh, you gonna you gonna complain? Oh, yeah, well, don't buy the comic. <laughs> you know, you know it's everyone can the comic. It's interesting though. It's hard to imagine a CW type show operating where the main character is mute, because their oh, entire mechanism is around that. Right. I wasn't. I wasn't saying they actually do full up Cassandra Kane. No, just... I know, but I'm just saying about that character. No, that uh, that I version think... of that character was rad because she was mute. Agreed. I thought that was interesting. Um, th- so, so. Uh, this is a, a tangent, but not a full How one. How dare you? I know. God, who 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 who's surprised? 
<laughs> so um, there was a cartoon series on Netflix called Dragon Prince. Oh, yes? Which is in the same, maybe a little bit younger than uh-huh. Avatar The Last Airbender, maybe? Okay, sure. There was a character in that who is deaf. Mm-hmm. And, like, her introduction is actually very solid. And, like, her involvement in the show gives me, like, why don't we do this more? Sure. Honestly. Because it's very important. It's a, it's a part of our culture. and Well, like, and beyond just representation, it's really good storytelling. Mm-hmm. When you introduce characters that have different different abilities or limitations than mm-hmm. all the other characters and what mm-hmm. majority of the audience are expecting, mm-hmm. that makes it a more interesting challenge to write and produce and act and present oh, yeah. to the audience in a meaningful way. Yeah. So many good stories that we see in film are that's the that's the that's the uh, that's the twist, right? Oh, you never realized that the person was was deaf and could never hear anybody talking to them. That's right. the way they usually handle it. What I yeah. find more interesting is how do you can you can you pr- create the product and tell a good story but the fact that they are deaf or blind or mute or have something else going on is right. not referenced and maybe right. as a as a viewer you suddenly maybe you'll realize that it's happening but it's right. not relevant to the story other than it's something yeah. they have to overcome maybe make something right. a little bit more challenging and maybe right. that's when you realize it's happening like oh maybe right. oh I, i've never occurred to me that they or deaf or something. But that, to right. me, that makes it yeah. for a better writing experience. Agreed. 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 Um, yeah. So, all the things they could do on the CW Batwoman show that they won't do. And they chose to make a new character. Yeah. Fine. Let's make I a mean, new character. I mean... But, but the thing is... They just, said, but, maybe okay, but, but here's the thing. They said, were they going to make a new character, but at the same time, they did that really... Uh, ugh that really unfortunate thing where they stated that they were going to do another, um, uh, use another actor that was representative of, um, of that community. So they would be gay or lesbian or bi or trans. They, they insisted that they would replace Ruby Rose with another, which makes it seem like Ruby Rose was her interest was that aspect of that actress. And that was a value add to the care to the casting, but it Mm -hmm. wasn't, her value right yeah that belittled her when they said that and now they're going to do an all new character and they're going to apply that to them like it's a a character trait sure yeah it's it's tone deaf is what it is it's 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 yeah it's upper management doing the upper management thing where it's like the kids love the gays right now (laughs) we should make them we should make the gays happen and it's like okay you need to a stop saying that yes and and b rent a clue just rent it from somebody. You don't have to buy it. The um, th- this is a transition to another item, another news bit. Hmm. Um, the upper management meddling with things. Yeah. Uh, so you know how David Ayers has been asked a ton about whether he would do a Suicide Squad cut for HBO Max, and in the course uh, of that dialogue, and again, I'm 100 percent for it because oh, I love the sound. We made the sound. Listen, I loved what I loved about that movie, and I was frustrated about the parts they glued onto it. And he said that the original, that original trailer, caught the tone of the movie as it was before they started messing with it. Uh, and if that's true, sure, that's what I wanted. Y- yes, but again, the original trailer for that movie, and I know if you listen to the last podcast, you listen to this podcast right after. I sound like I'm changing my tone. 
I'm not. I actually enjoy Suicide Squad, but that original trailer is the first 10 minutes of sure. that movie. Sure. Like, that's it. Like, uh, like yes. sure, sure, there's there's some fighting happening in that, in that bit, but it's like, yeah, but that fighting no, is very inconsequential with the tone. But that's, no, but that's what's so great about it to me. I love trailers that don't give anything away. So Agreed. that trailer, if that's Agreed. capturing, if it's true and not retcon, yeah. if it's true that that was capturing the, the style of the film, the tone of it, and that trailer managed to convey all of that and only introduce us to the characters and then hard stop, <laughs> that's everything I would ever ask for in a trailer. Don't. Sure. So, okay. So, did, but it could, he could be retconning it in his mind, right? Did Air, who is, who is Air's big bad guy then? Because if it's still Enchantress and her brother, that movie's gonna no be exactly so, what it was. So it and again, this is where I think it's hard because I like Ayers, but I do think there's there's some. Um, I'm not hearing a whole lot of statements from the writer or writers of Suicide Squad, but mm-hmm. I think um, I think there's a lot of uh, retroactive thinking in the way he's describing some of this, and I just can't I can't quite figure out what was really going on. But I know he said that they had, like we had talked about before, they intended it to be Apocalypse uh, characters sure. in the third act. They intended it to be Steppenwolf and Parademons. And then they panicked and, po- I don't know, or maybe it wasn't Steppenwolf, but it was a new god sure, sure. and then Parademons. And then that was, you know, 11th hour changed and it became random god and googly-eyed people. Right. Enchantress doing what she was doing. My sense is that his original version was Joker was the main, certainly the main emotional connection mm-hmm. adversary in the film. And that other stuff was maybe the big picture. This is some big thing happening in the second act. But right. what it really all boils down to is what he's doing and what he what's about him. That they aren't really the main event. Joker is still the main event. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. You know, you know who I would I would have done? I'd have done Big Barda and Parademons. Big maybe, Barda maybe even, as, an, as an antagonist, but not a bad mm-hmm, guy. Mm-hmm. Right. Maybe I love even me some Big, Big Barda, Barda and, and the three sisters, you know, um, whose names I'm forgetting right now. God bless. What are their names? Uh, Lash and... Lashina is the one I drew. I know that one. Yeah, right. So Lashina, right. Yeah. So Lashina and the other, the other, God bless. I don't remember the other ones. I just so don't know enough about my new God stuff. Right, so there's four of them, right? So it was Big yeah. Barda, Lashina, and there's two others, and right. they would like they were they were the they were Granny Mama? Goodnesses. Oh, Granny Goodness, right? Yeah, they were Granny Goodnesses, you know, hitters, and then Barda falls in love with Scott, and that all happens. Um, all right, so they've been promising a uh, Scott and Barda movie forever, and you know I'd be right there. Oh, what an interesting 100% story! Hundred percent on board, and if if you do it. The way Taika did with, you know, with just goes full on, go full right. on Kubert, man. Right. <laughs> all that, all that Kirby-esque stuff, but yeah. at the same time have that sort of a whimsical yeah. and yet audacious tone. Yep. I met Kirby. I saw. I know you did. Yeah. He uh, could also go Kubrickish on it, which would be another interesting movie that we yeah, but I, have. I said, I said Kubert, which is oh, Kubert. a different, it's a different artist. I like I like his art too. I like Hubert? his children's art. Yeah. Do you mean Kubert? Like no Kubert? <laughs> no, Kubert. 
Do you know I watch? I watch. Uh, I love watching um, Wreck It Ralph for all the references yeah. and stuff because it's oh, right yeah, up my alley. Yeah. And my favorites are Cuba, yeah. like when Cubert's down on his luck because his yeah. game got shut down. And right. it's like, oh, that poor guy. And he's like, rawr, rawr, and he's got like trash or something like a <laughs> want food sign. Guillotina, Bernadette, Lashina, Mad Harriet, yeah. Stompa, and <laughs> Artemis. I have to wonder if some of those weren't the original. Because no, they sound I, they added some of the no the ones the ones that sound like Big Barda are the ones you should probably think <laughs> of. Right, right. Oh man. So interestingly, I remember many, many, many years ago thinking about fantasy casting for uh that movie. Um mm-hmm. probably trying to build it up for uh a new gods type fantasy casting for the forum that we mm-hmm. talked about and never did. But I remember vividly having an idea on how to cast that movie specifically uh scott and we're going to do it right now it's a it's a sudden death spontaneous fantasy casting i mean come on so, big bard is easy big bard well, is a freaking like a this this is like from half court eyes closed throw a ball it goes in the hoop right all right so uh big barda who are you going to fantasy cast tell me um i'm going to fuck up her last name gina crawla you know, oh, we talked about that before, right? Right. She I mean, come on. Her. How could you? How could you not? Like, I mean, how could you not? She looks like fucking Big Bardo. <laughs> you know, I was bouncing some other ideas around, but I I remembered the last time we talked about this. It just it locks in, and it's really hard to. Uh, it's really hard to find. Man, yeah, that's it. We're yeah, done. but no, who? Who would you think? No, 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 no. But you, you thought somebody else. Who would you think? Uh, so I, um, what was her name? What was her name? She, it's, it's not going to be the imagery that you, it's not going to be the type of Big Barda that we're talking about. Okay. But it's the actress who played the female alien in Galaxy Quest. And then most oh, recently Missy was Pyle. Missy Pyle. Right, yeah. she was the gym teacher in no. Jumanji who said, yeah, yeah. you know... Could, yeah, no, I could totally see Missy Pyle as Big Barda. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, she'd be so, great. Um, all right, so I'm going to... Uh, so, yeah, I'll just go with it then. So, um, yeah, Missy Pyle. Um, what do you know her from besides that? Because you had her, you had the name Ray Call, and that surprised me. Uh, Josie and the Pussycats. Ah. Uh. Um, Dodgeball. Uh... No, I, I love Missy Pyle. I think she's okay. I think she's a fantastic comedian. So she was on wasn't she was she on Mad TV back in the day? I don't remember. Sure, no. Maybe. I again yeah. I can't remember if I knew her before Galaxy Quest because Galaxy Quest burned it in for me. Sure. Right. No, she was, yeah, she's great. All right, so what about Scott? All right, so I want like it like Mike Mike wants like Paul Rudd. Right? See, that's but, the thing. That's what I had. And I know we had a Scott Lang problem and everything else, but I know. Going back forever. Yeah, Yeah, but but, I mean, going back forever. This is pre-Ant-Man. Back in the day, it was Paul Rudd as Mm -hmm. Scott for me. But I'm trying to think of somebody along, like, along Paul Rudd. Like, I want Paul Rudd, and I've actually seen Paul Rudd do some dark-ass characters. Yeah. Did you see, um, was it Mute? Mute, right. Netflix movie? Yeah. Didn't get, I didn't get into it. I didn't, I didn't really get to see it, but I saw clips of it. Woof. Like his character in that is, it was it was eye opening. 
like I love me some Paul Rudd. I think yeah. he's a wonderful human being, and I like I like watching him act. But I was like, yeah, but he's just a nice guy. And I watched that movie. I'm like, oh, oh. oh I, I stand corrected. <laughs> he is an actor. He is a actor with range. And I was wrong, and I apologize. Um, um uh, but, while while we were talking, I got another idea. Yeah, but it would yeah. definitely be again a different. I still sure. think Paul Paul Rudd and Gina Carano just feel like that's the yeah that's your your high point. But if you're gonna right. go a little bit weird, yeah. Charlie Day. He'd have to shave his mustache. Well, yeah, but I mean, imagine if you add that. I, I don't know. If, I don't know. If I can imagine Charlie Day without a mustache. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, no, if no. you take I think Scott's, that's good. yeah, if you if you take his, I can get out of any any lock. I can break any yeah. puzzle. I can worm my way out of anything. But you make yeah. that a a sort of like a. Um, an inherent skill that is a given, but he's yeah. still a little bit neurotic, a little bit random, a little bit strange guy. You've, you've read the new, you've read the most recent Mr. No. Miracle. No. Oh, I'll next time I come over, I'm just going to leave that at your house. It is amazing. So it is, I mean, okay, I'm just going to, the first chapter is Scott Free on Earth after he's left Apocalypse has committed suicide in his in his bathroom. He uh -oh. slid his wrists. Uh-huh. And that's where the comic starts. Oh jeez. And it's it's he doesn't die. Right. But it, it's the story is what what the hell was that? Like why would you like you went through all this torture, you get free, you live on earth with the woman you love. Why did you try and kill yourself? And that's like that's the story. It's you're gonna love it. It is a powerful, well-written um, huh. look at what it means to be free yeah. of something. Yeah, and not have that um, purpose anymore. Right. Yeah, it's really cool. It's really cool. Well, and they've had other. Um, there's been other sort of nods to that that sort of postmodern take on the epic story with the the destiny of the you know the yeah. person that is you know you, you whatever has this fundamental intrinsic desk um mm -hmm. you know they're destined to change the world and then what happens afterwards right right yeah 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 and yeah you yeah. have no mean you have no purpose anymore right? right um uh who else from uh, i mean we can't just stop with them what about uh what about orion michael shannon's so already been used it's got to be somebody like like how, you know how michael shannon's head square like not yeah. no offense michael shannon i think you're an amazing yeah. actor I but love it's you. someone it's entirely got to be this right here yeah, like it's like peacemaker, got... right? <laughs> like... <laughs> Holy shit! It's digging in, digging in the DC archives right but there. That's, for a while there, they were saying, and possibly it's going to happen in uh, in in James Gunn's Suicide Squad that there was going to be there was some scuttlebutt. The peacemaker was going to be there, and I thought to myself, if anybody would do him with the giant helmet, it oh, would yeah. be that would be him, right? If they put peacemaker in, they better as fuck make a checkmate movie because right? checkmate was the shit. You back you in and the I day. we. we you and I were about eighty percent of the buying audience for Checkmate. I think. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. We were hundred percent. We were eighty percent. Yeah, hundred percent. It works sixty percent of the time. It works one hundred percent of the time. Exactly. So, Go back to Paul so, Rudd. Okay, right. so okay, so we got to get somebody with a nice with a nice jawline, right? Uh -huh. Hot seat. I know. I know. This is hard, man. Um. Who's got a good jaw in Hollywood right now? 
who's got a good jaw. It sounds like that's code for something terrible. You know, I'm gonna one second. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna cheat. I'm gonna cheat because I'm I'm not doing a good job of thinking of things right now. All right, here here I'll even use voice. <laughs> Who has a strong jaw in Hollywood? Cereal? I'm totally gonna ask that. <laughs> I've deactivated your air conditioning. Who has a good jaw in Hollywood? You're gonna get porn out, dude. I'm telling you. Let's, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. There we go. That that is not. Oh, Tyler, what's his name? Who played Superman in uh, Supergirl? Uh, they're saying Lance Bass is a good job. Well, that's that's Max Irons does not have a good job. You're wrong. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna refine this search a little bit because <laughs> I was getting some weird stuff. I bet you. All are. right. Oh, that's a good job, but not going to work. Michelle Pfeiffer. <laughs> Michelle Pfeiffer, yes. Uh, it's uh, a young, a young Will uh, Will Smith. Uh-huh, um, fair enough. I'll tell you my pick while you while you ruminate. Yeah, go. Yeah, do it. Um, do it. Do it. Our three hundred thirty three listeners are just loving the dead time as we as we yeah, associate and spontaneously and fantasy cast. Oh damn! Um, oh yes, go but, ahead. No, no, you... he, he can't work because he's Superman. So, but. He would be really good at Ryan. Brandon Ruth? No. Current Cap- Superman. Cavill. Cavill. Yeah. Huh. Well, do you... hey, listen. Anything goes, man. Oh! Okay. No, he's he's right in Bane. Shit. Say Tom Hardy would be a good yeah. Ryan, too. Go ahead. Do yours. So I want him to be... I want him to have a really strong uh, jawline and mouth and lips, but also be able to like grimace and mm-hmm. be boisterous and be really cocksure and and um self-absorbed because that's uh-huh. my image of orion that right. he's the sure. uh, he's yeah. the favored son so um and because i always want to cast him in super super stories uh james marsden is who i go with oh uh spike uh nope james marsters is what i want not spike hop scott summers oh right no yeah yeah, no, he's got a great jawline. But he you could be... use Spike, and that would be. <laughs> but like, it's not just his jaw and his cheekbones but and yeah. stuff. But yeah. it's his—he's got the right size mouth and teeth, and I can no, see I, him I agree. just like sputtering under the helmet, sort of. Yeah, no, he would be good. He would be good. Plus, he's got the age now. Yep. Oh shit! Um... Plus, he's got the age now. Well, yeah. I mean, when he was when he was Cyclops, he was still a yeah. little young to be Orion. Yeah, um, no, I, I think you're right. Uh, Chris Pine, sure, would be a good would be a good Orion. I'm gonna pin Chris I Pine think. for you. Thanks. Because I need you to free up some of your brain cells because you need to cast Kronos. Uh, so we're going Kronos with the Kronos with the hourglass in the middle of the chest. That Kronos. I'm thinking of uh, oh my god, who am I thinking of? I'm thinking of the one on the chair all the time. Time traveling, very urgent. Oh no, you're thinking of the Metatron. What? Metatron, black costume, yeah. lightning bolts. Yep. Come on, come on, you can do it. All right. Well, that's a weird character. Who's another character we could fantasize? Yeah, you're thinking you're thinking we, of this guy, some... right? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, that's Metatron. Metatron. Okay. Well, okay, Metatron. Who are we gonna cast? I mean, Metatron? if if I was if I was gonna cast Metatron, 
it would probably be a it would probably be a digital character with um sadly he's dead now but alan rickman's voice that's hey listen we're just gonna say alan rickman because i mean it's gotta like metatron's gotta be metatron's gotta be kind of snotty yeah like because he's always showing up being like you're fucking up yeah again right 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 do you know how many times i've come back here no you don't wonder why I like it. Mm-hmm. I actually really like it. Um, again, having just re, uh, shown my kids Galaxy Quest for the first time, and uh, my wife and I just love just falling all over ourselves, and my kids not. It's sort of like taking someone cold into Watchmen and saying, "Do you understand?" <laughs> like, yeah. uh, what are you referencing, and why are you laughing so hard? Have you watched the documentary about Galaxy Quest yet? No. What? I highly recommend it. It's amazing. What? Get, what? It's what documentary? Beautiful. Think it's on. It's either on Hulu or on Prime. I'm pretty sure. But there's a documentary about the making of Guys Quest. It's fantastic. It's really good. And there's there's this one discussion where. Um, you know the scene where they make Tim Allen's character explain to the alien, while yeah. it's being tortured to death. Yes. What terrible. he is. Yes. Right. So apparently that was a very long day of acting. Like that scene had to be yeah. done a lot. Oh god. And and Tim Allen at one point when it was done, they finally cut he's like, I gotta go my trailer. I'm I just gotta go my trailer. Right. So he goes to his trailer. And Alan Rickman turns to the director and goes, Oh my, I fear Mr. Allen has discovered acting. <laughs> I mean, the funny thing is, like, there's so many ways you can say that sentence, and it's like, what a dickhead! But, like, but when you way... watch that movie, you see Alan Rickman in that movie right. as the character in that movie. Like, it's right. It's right. really referential, for sure. And it's not, yeah, it's not that he's being an asshole. He's just being like, and this is where we are right now, right? Yeah. Like, I'm adding inflection that is not really in Alan Rickman's voice. <laughs> but yeah, it's just, it's yeah. Really good documentary. Highly recommend watching it. And and is it something that you that was made <clears throat> fairly recently or? Yeah, I think it's made a year too old. Huh. I don't know how I never. I, I I don't know how I never even heard of it or anything. It's like never stop believing or something maybe. Well, in the same in the same vein of that sort of fourth wall aspect of the the theater actor in a pop movie right. playing a character that is a theater actor in a pop movie or whatever. Right. Um, yeah. Have you watched uh, Mythic Quest Raven's Banquet on Apple uh, TV Plus? I have not yet. No, I need to. I do need you, to. you know what I'm talking about, right? I do. I do. So it's a it's so it's loosely based on not, like we have not turned on Apple TV yet. We uh, have it. We just but when you it do it, it, it's yeah. you get a year for free. So, you know, yeah, go nuts. Um, and as you may recall from a couple episodes, uh, yeah, a couple sessions ago, uh, one of my planned plunderings is the uh, the spacey space movie on there. So right, yeah, yeah, get on that right. so that you can speak to it. However, back to our subject, uh, you know that's loosely based on the idea of a World of Warcraft type, mm-hmm. a Blizzard type studio and right. the lunacy right. of the different characters. F. Murray Abraham is playing a character who's the head writer for that game. Right. C. W. Longbottom is the act, is the character's name. But he's playing it as a 
former huge thespian who's got the awards and was really known right, for his right. his Pulitzer or whatever. You know, his he he had all the accolades and now he's a drunk and he's on he's doing dialogue for a fighting game, right? right. And right. so he's still like, well, he's full of um, um, he he's he's um, self deprecating and and miserable, but at the same time he's disgusted and over everything around him and how dare you but at the same time then he gets really excited about like i will i will write the backstory of the of the you know the headless mutant you know and sure. he and he just right. dives right in anyway and right. it works so well because he is that same he is that actor he's this like legacy actor on that show sure sure so that's the, the thing uh, that happens the character like it reminds me of the um the 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 dueling writers for um for the game in remedy do you remember these yeah. Uh-huh. So there's Skeleton, right? Yep. He yep. just walks on the treadmill all day and writes all day right. long. Yep. Like, he used to be obese. That, yeah. yeah, yeah. It reminds me of that character where it's just like, yeah, I get that you wrote all this stuff, but you didn't write like Skeletor. the history. Skeletor. Right, Skeletor. Right, right, right. Well, I'm and glad you're up on that because two... uh, Blake and I are still threatening another five-hour session on uh, Stevenson books. So. That's fair. But yeah, like I loved how there's, but like uh, another digression that there are these two ideas of a game world, right. where there's there's the history and then there's the mythos, and those right. two things don't always mesh up well, but can coexist together. Well, because... world world building versus the uh, the the, right. the mythology, yeah. right? Right, right. Um, but sometimes the stories you tell aren't the stories that are; they just right. are stories, right? But you know? but in exactly, I mean that's why yeah. this it's trippy watching Mythic Quest and then thinking about those books because yeah. there is there is something directly related to that concept in Reemdi too. That these yeah. you have these brilliant people that came together, these legends in all their fields that came together to produce a thing, and it's right. nothing but literal trolls and figurative trolls and yeah. lowest common denominator bullshit, and yeah. they made millions of dollars, but. It's just being ravaged yeah. by people just doing stupid shit. I, I love yeah. that concept, right? Um, so even anyway, when it's working right, there's still gold right. farmers. So I'm gonna I'm gonna Metatron. So I'm gonna I'm gonna cast Doug Jones because I want him to be Doug Jones, Ooh. but longer, like really like yeah. exaggerated. No, Doug Jones is nice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right, if we need you, one more like, character. Wait, wait, no, no, no. If we go for a mid, a middle ground between Alan Rickman and Doug Jones, like yes. a middle ground between those. Um, there is no middle ground. Oh, son of a bitch! Uh, a famous clown. He's in. He's in. Um, he's in the uh, the "Don't Worry, Be Happy" music video. He is one of the carries Bob, in Bobby um, McFerrin. No, no, no. Bobby McFerrin's the singer. Um, <laughs> I'm glad he was in his video. It was not always. I mean, but uh, he's one of the carries in um, Legion. He's the male carry. Oh, he's what so the hell is his, like, his, <laughs> like his physical acting is some of the best on the planet. Um, Gosh, you know what? I, I want to change my answer. <laughs> <laughs> no offense to Doug Jones. <laughs> Sorry, Doug. Because Doug, Doug Jones is has a naturally passive uh, voice. Yeah. And. Um, but, uh, what's his name? Why the hell is he? Oh, yeah. Bill Irwin. Bill Irwin, son of a gun. Like, he's, his freaking pictures on the wall of my freaking trapeze studio. 
Is it really? Mm-hmm. It's a no. it's a full it's a full circus opera studio. So they have oh, just okay. all these famous clowns and acrobats and yeah. All right. So the last one is our big bad, and this is going to be the real challenge because it's oh, so heavily CGI, so much, and yeah. you've already raked me over the coals for daring that we should modulate the actor's voice in a very similar character. But uh, who's going to be your dark side? Keith David. Uh, Keith David. Yep. Who's Keith David? Uh, Goliath and the Gargoyles. Oh, um, uh, okay. The guy, the guy who fights Roddy Roddy Piper in um, They They Live. Right, right, um, right. Yeah, yeah. He was in Barbershop. I love him. His voice <laughs> is one of the best voices on, on, on the face of the planet. <laughs> and I think that when he does, like, the problem is, is that his voice and his timber are always heroic. Yeah. And it's hard to hear him be evil. But yeah. I think he could do it. Like, I have faith in him. Oh, dark side, dark side. I mean, I have an idea. Yeah. But it's heavily dependent upon the idea the, the, that you're getting bits of his face. You see uh-huh. you see his face in the CGI, but then you get the yeah. CGI body. I got right? you. I'm with you. Um, it's a bit of a stretch. It also involves some grave digging. Sure. We've Albert Finney. Come on, I know Albert I Finney. Know who this is, but I don't know why I don't know right now. Well, it's uh, uh, Liam Leo O'Bannon in Miller's Crossing, one of my favorite movies ever. Oh, the big boss, snap. the Godfather. Yeah. Okay, yeah, no, no, I'm with you. Now imagine his face. He's got a face that looks like someone carved yeah. it out of stone, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you just give the big bulk of the armor and the body and stretch it out mm-hmm. and give him the proportions that don't look particularly human. Yeah, and no, you Albert get that Finney. that voice, right? Yeah. No, I feel it. Yeah, yeah, I got you. I got you. This I actually got fun. a good. I actually got a good picture. Yeah, yeah, like that one, right? There you go. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. it's gonna anti-life the shit out of you. Watch out. Yep. Well, so anyway, the reason I brought up David Ayers. Why did you say Daddy Warbucks? <laughs> That's fair. Well, the reason I brought up David Ayers and uh, yeah. <laughs> do you remember about fourteen hours ago we talked about um, Suicide Squad? The reason uh, I brought I, it up, I vaguely recall this. Yes, is that you mentioned uh, corporate meddling, uh-huh. and in the in this this dialogue that's been going on with him over the last week about the struggles he had in making this movie, which frankly I think is a good thing because I do feel like he seemed to have gotten a raw deal. I felt like yeah. he had a lot more in him. I I ran afoul with a buddy and I said that well the difference is he had vision that was um, set aside by the corporate meddling, whereas I felt like Zack Snyder really didn't have a vision and was set aside by corporate meddling. And then I was challenged that Zack Snyder has a whole lot of vision. He just doesn't have a lot of content behind the vision. And I guess that's fair. But I felt like there's a David Ayer suicide squad that could have been really rad. Wait, wait, no, I'm going to push back against your friend's comment. All right. What what the hell is contentless vision? A bunch (laughs) of colors? I think so. No, I'm sorry. That's, that is, that... uh, like you can, you can like. I have a scene. Cool. That's not a plot or a movie. Contentless yeah, colors is the lens really flare. Good. Contentless yeah, no. colors is the lens flare that J.J. No. Abrams has in the Star Trek movies. No, no. Yeah, no. What he I'm was sorry. getting at it's... was the difference between vision and style. I think, and he was saying he was associating all the the signature style that Snyder has as meaning he had an idea, he had a vision about what he wanted, and frankly, he had a lot of ideas about what he wanted to do on those movies. 
Sure. And he, he was yeah. and he would and it was chopped to bits by the by the the headless the headless machine of, of uh, Warner Brothers. But um but I think that David Ayers actually had there's a there was a version of that film that could have happened. And there's a hope that maybe it could, in yeah, a way. No. As we as we discussed at length last time, maybe. Like, maybe because maybe we'll get that thing. Maybe because I mean you know I'm not even a hater of that Joker. So look, just bring all take all the metaphysical am, shit out and put a whole lot of more Joker in and call it a day. Right? I am not. I I also am not. And like especially with the 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 number of nods they gave to him being a Robin that got yeah. completely right. jacked somehow. Like I'm right. like I'm oh, cool yeah. with that. Yeah. I mean, I, what what would people uh what would people prefer? Um a bunch of scene stealing Jared Leto running around with the grill in or that many more googly eyes, right? Like, yeah. Fair, because fair. that movie just hit, it just hit a wall when they all no. run up and then all of a sudden there's googly eyes and they got to shoot them like a video game. It's like, I was, even... I was going to say, it feels like two different movies. Like we get to this point right. and then it's like, and now this other thing. But, and they um... set up so many things that didn't even manifest as, as the movie would go. Like how is it possible that Ayers' version of this movie had Boomerang not pulling the unicorn out of his jacket in that right. scene when he got shot. Right. How is it a wad of money? Like, it had no context. It meant nothing. But look, right. the reason I brought Ayers up <laughs> was not this. It was that the director of Birds of Prey stepped mm-hmm. in and said, I know your feels. And what's interesting about her experience is she was dealing with a ton of executive meddling with Birds of Prey. I but in her totally case... feel that she fought 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 and she got stuff in right that they were trying to get her to lighten up and and remove from the film mm-hmm. um so in a way it's almost like she won in a way that these other people gave up or were not able to or maybe maybe the fact that joker happened in between meant that they sure. were less they were less willing to go go to the mat on that and right. were more willing to right. let her take those risks but right. she expressed it as that she got a lot of re- resistance and pushback and she was still able to pull it off and so i thought that was interesting maybe one yeah. did you see that movie i did i, uh, I have it in my uh, short list i'm waiting i'm waiting um, for it i heard it was garbage i would not call it garbage that's rude um like there's a lot of stuff in the world that's garbage it's not garbage okay. margot robbie's freaking harlequin yeah is fucking solid like i don't care it's yeah. it's whenever she is harlequin she is harlequin and it's yeah. the, you cannot be like, oh, that Harlequin wouldn't do that. It's like, nope. Uh, do you know she who owns Harlequin that character. Is? She totally yeah. owns the character. She owns it. Um, they made they made a number of choices with Prius. I was like, okay, so this gets back to the thing where it's like, do you accept that movies are not canon? Like, there are right. they are their own canon, right? Right. If you're okay with that, you you should be okay with the number of the choices they made. If you are. It all adherent to who these characters are in the comic books on the on the printed page. This right. is going to be a really problematic movie for you because ain't nobody who they are in the comics. Right, Montoya is not Montoya. When they Cassandra released Kane that casting, I was like, Kane. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> when yeah. they described the characters they were casting, I got excited, yeah. and when they showed that the the choices that they made, I thought those all look like really deliberate, interesting choices, but yeah. just not what I was imagining. I mean, it's funny because they took a number of their a number of their backstories and just shifted them around. Like, no, this one does this and this one does this. Now it's like, uh, okay, if that's where you want to go with this. Like, I, I loved. Um, oh God damn it! I love her. She's great. She Mary she Elizabeth Winstead. Yep, 
that's Huntress. One. Yeah. Yeah. That's Huntress. that's the one that seemed like that made seemed like it followed in my mind what I wanted Huntress to be cast. I wanted it to be like a very Italian woman. Yeah. What does that mean? What does that mean? I don't know, but yeah. yeah. Um, But still, when they when they announced that they had cast her, I was seeing it in my eye. And and granted, I think that the way that they realized the costumes again, just let them do what they're gonna do. Yeah. But I could see her in a Huntress costume, more comics Huntress costume. And I could too, but I'm pretty sure that she was just like, I'm not putting on tights. (laughs) I'm not doing it. Not gonna happen. (laughs) No. Like I'm gonna get shot at. I'm wearing body armor. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, I'm cool with that, all right. And uh, it's funny, the person they diverged the strongest for, for Black Canary, she was fantastic. Like, from yeah. top to bottom, who she was as a character in that movie, she was like, this is one, like, she was the one I got behind the most. I'm like, I'm behind this character, the, this, like, I dig it. Like, she's second gen superhero, like, super powered. I dig what you're doing here. This is cool. Um. I, I, I don't, having not seen it, I don't know the nuance of it, but I know that I was, on this show, I was doing a lot of speculation about how they were going to handle um, the uh, the Black Mask, and I had some really good ideas in my head visually about how they were going to do it, as yeah. well as the story, and by the time the final trailer came out that I chose, I ended up watching, even though I wasn't going to, I realized, right. well, they didn't do any of those things. No, they didn't. No, they really, <laughs> they just... I mean, Ian McGregor, God bless him. I love him. He's my favorite. But yeah, it was just kind of like, uh, Ian, do, um, yeah, be crazy, be yeah. kind of sociopathic. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> be ca- be casual, Jack Nicholson Joker. Sure. Yeah. Um, and uh, for the love of God, for the love of God, DC, stop using Zaz. Stop. I mean, stop using Zaz. Stop. Oh my God, he's an overused, lame-ass character. Stop using Zaz. The uh, the actor who played him in Gotham. Oh, fantastic! <laughs> Terrifying. He's also an actor in Barry, and has one of my favorite characters in Barry. He's an uh, so Anthony uh, Anthony Carrigan. Anthony Carrigan is his name. So uh, I. Listened to a really interesting podcast with him. I think yeah. it was on Dak Shepard's show. And um, he actually has the same genetic... I don't want to say disorder, but he has the same genetic... Um, anomaly? Uh, anomaly that leads to the kinds of... The imagery in some of the characters he plays. So he is hairless. Oh. And his... his his uh, I don't know. His phenotype is what it is. Yeah. Right. That's built. That's baked in. He's not just a creepy looking dude that found a shtick and is now rolling with it. I mean, that's what he looks like, and that's one of the things I loved about Barry was that yeah. he looked the part, but then he had this range, yeah. and that's when you first get a sense that he, as an actor, can be a lot more than just this look, right? Oh, but I, I but as Victor Zaz, calls. he was amazing. Yeah, he he is a good Zaz. Don't get me wrong. I I'm not saying there can't be a good Zaz. I'm just saying don't put Mr. Zaz in every effing movie. Like, yeah. please stop. There are other villains you can use. There are other henchmen you can use. <laughs> like, uh, sure. but, but yeah, yeah. No, like in Barry, I love like, like when he, whenever he calls Barry up on the phone, oh, <laughs> hey, buddy. It's hey, so- buddy. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted you to know that we're going to be over here shooting guns if you want to come. It's like we are not friends. Okay, buddy. 
<laughs> well, oh, speak, uh, speaking of roles and casting and things that may or may not be happening, item in the long list of interesting projects that Lucasfilm is uh, supposedly mm -hmm. developing, mm -hmm. they there seems to be increasing chatter that Thrawn is going live action. And again, this makes sense given how he was used in Rebels. Yeah, It makes sense given how the more recent books have used the character in mm -hmm. the post-Legends world and in the right. in-canon version of Thrawn. So yeah. all the in-canon versions of Thrawn are directly tied to other characters that are being introduced in the Mandalorian to be spun off into other series. So it makes sure. sense that he would sure. come. So I ask you, who would you cast as Thrawn? Oh, my God. It's you gotta have you have to have such a refined like you can't have somebody who's fiery right. as Thrawn. Like Thrawn's fury and anger has to be completely held in check at all times. Right. Like right. even when he's like, oh my god, what actor what actor would you put in that role? Oh my god. For me uh, it was ruined as soon as I figured out who was voicing him in Rebels. Who's voicing Rebels? Lars Mickelson. And this blew my oh, mind because Oh god damn I didn't know that he wasn't Russian because I totally associate him with the with the Putin uh, cipher in uh, House of Cards, right. and I saw him so much in House of Cards uh, that I was convinced oh, he was good. a Russian actor. Uh, I'm kind of locked up now, but that's yep. good. Right? That's really he's, good. Tall. he's tall. He's yeah. tall. He's quiet. He does the voice. Can't top it. No, I'm having a hard time now. But I'm Gilbert Godfrey. You know these rebels. Um, that's that's more it's more Andy Rooney. Um, yeah, it's more Andy Rooney. Um, we could get really gross wow. into Mickey Rooney. Like I really, uh, I want to throw somebody in there, but that's really good, right? Although, I mean, if we go back to an earlier thing, um, yeah. painted blue. Uh, yeah, Billy Crudup. Billy Crudup, oh my God, Billy Crudup would be great and whatever. But no, um, I was thinking, who did we, who did we replace with, um, with Ir Bill Irwin? Uh, Doug Jones. Who's, Doug Jones. Doug Jones might be an interesting person to put in that because he's got that nice soft it. voice and he's yep. nice. He's got that long. Yeah. Like you're right. He's got that long yep. look, and, and we know he likes well, being painted blue. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, and the thing, um, the thing I. I'm not big on the way Thrawn's, I guess, the Chiss and the way Thrawn's character is drawn or portrayed first in the books and comics and then later in Rebels. It's like he's he's very human scale, humanoid, and then he has bulbous features on his face in all the wrong places. So it looks like someone who doesn't, it looks like an amateur artist who hasn't been studying anatomy, sort of trying right. to draw a human face, right? Sure. Or, or like aliens try to make a human so that it would be yeah. reasonable when you talk to him, right, like right. contact, you know? Right, right. Um, but if you take a Doug Jones, now you take that same, some of that same imagery and now you stretch it and you make him have exaggerated proportions about mm -hmm. things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. But not like, what's his name? That one Jedi that has the lumpy uh, cone head? Yeah, no, no, the no, no, top no, no. Or whatever. Yeah, yeah, no. We're right. not doing that. No, he's dead. So we're good. Well, anyway, I'd, I'd be down with the Thrawn um, series. Yeah. I think I would like a Thrawn series and not a Thrawn movie. I want, I think a Thrawn series because the they did a good job in the books. You read them? Yeah. They did a good job in the books of giving you a reason to 
follow along because you're oh, watching him. Wait. Sorry, I read I read Legendary Thrawn, not oh, okay. current Thrawn. Oh, I see. I think maybe the first Thrawn book is Legend and then carried over, possibly, okay. or maybe they'd start it over. But it's the same writer, one way or the sure. other, right? In Legends, did in in the Legend stuff, um, was he recruited in and then working his way up through the ranks? So, um, in the in like in the old Timothy Zahn stuff, yeah, he was yeah he was found by um, he was found by Tarkin, uh -huh. and I mean the Empire is horribly racist, so they were right. like, right. no, and and Tarkin was like, okay, look, here's what's gonna happen, I need you to take this fleet out past the outer rim and go and figure out some shit out there and then come back and by the time you come back i should have everybody happy enough so that you can be a fucking moth and when he came back tarkin was dead the empire had crumbled so he was like oh we'll just take this shit back over shall we <laughs> so yeah so it, so timothy zahn rewrote so i think that's what happened right they went back to him and he wrote them in continuity versus the books he wrote in Legends. Because nice. Timothy Zahn wrote all the current Thrawn stuff too. Oh, yeah, I mean, but it's Timothy definitely Zahn, not that stuff with Mara Jade and all that. Right, right. I mean, Timothy Zahn started the freaking book publishing empire that is Star Wars. Right. Interesting. Confusing. Because I haven't, um, because I haven't read any of the Legends stuff, so I don't know. When I started reading the Thrawn stuff, I had no idea whether this was, you know original work or new and improved disney star wars who knows so hey dude uh uh just a couple other quick things um yeah. uh there is a woman named victoria mahoney who is a yeah. was i think second director on rise of skywalker yeah. um but a female director and she is in talks to direct a film called kill them all for paramount pictures and the only reason i bring this up is just when we think that there's no way to create a john wick style everyone dies just bloodbath type movie in an interesting way uh -huh. man the the elevator pitch for this just nailed it for me for yeah. whatever reason forget you know some love interest and some ex and whoever and they're t working together but the whole point is they're working their way up a skyscraper so if the, okay. so it's the inverse of what made daredevil rad right remember how daredevil had to fight his way down a stairwell sure yeah so yeah. they're gonna fight their way up the building and I think nice. that sounds great because if they do it broadly, so it's you have different layers, right? It's like levels of a game, right? Right, right. Every, they, they go floor to floor and there's like yeah. different types of bosses to fight. Oh, right? yeah. Different environments to deal with. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Love it. I love it. They're not going to do that. I'm in. But they could do that. And if they did, it would be great. It would be. But I mean, I'm willing to watch what they do. Yeah. So get up on like... floor 13 and there's Samurai, floor 14. And it's like, why is, why is it snowing? And like, I mean, just I... go crazy. So, I mean, like, did you watch um, Free Fire? No, but that reminded me of Free Fire, and I haven't seen it, and I want to. Should I? I, I love Free Fire. I think it's a great movie. Um, it is basically a gunfight in a warehouse. Sure. Right. <laughs> so, And interesting casting, and I remember that the imagery for the cover art was like this spiral, and it was just arms with guns. You know, like... Yep. Um... It didn't stay in the in the theaters long, did it? Did not. No, did not. People didn't like it. I enjoyed the hell out of it. Huh? Um, did you enjoy it as much as you enjoyed the concept photographs of the new Batmobile? Yes. I've not seen the new concept 
photographs of the you new have Batmobile. not seen the new Batmobile. I have not. Let's see. So they took, they took. So it sounds very similar to, although they claim it was independently created. New it's Batmobile. Very, yep. They, <laughs> computer. Uh, it's very similar to the old. Uh, oh. Uh, Aronofsky Batman Year One concept of a muscle car with a yeah. with two bus engines in the back, right? So they took what looks like a Barracuda, and they yeah. just hot rotted it, I and am, it's all uh, stripped down. I am on board because yep. that looks like that. You know what? This is this is me being me, but that looks like Nightwing's vehicle. It sure <laughs> does, doesn't not, it? When he's not when he's not riding the motorcycle, I'm like, that's Nightwing's car. What the hell is this? Well, I'm going to send you right now a link. And the reason I brought this up was there was a couple of photos. There's fo- like a front and a back view of yeah. the concept stuff that was out, uh, like, I don't know, 50 years ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whenever it was before the pandemic and we saw these things. Um, and then just yesterday, the day before, uh, apparently one of the model makers who was working on the design and doing maquettes released a bunch of photos. I just sent you the link. And when okay. you see it in 3D, um, it looks fucking dope as hell. The the those concept images were a little more raw than this this design, but um, right. still, when you figure how much they change things from concept to production, if this is anywhere near what it lands at, um, I mean, look at that That's thing. That's pretty dope. I like yep. that. I like the back end a lot. Yep. That's what they say about most Batman related stuff. I like like, the thing I like about end. the back end is because. It it's such it's such the ethos ethos of the character that there's no armor on the back end because he's never running from anybody. <laughs> you know? Like the front end is armored all to hell and it's got scary lights and shit. The back end, hollow. Hollow in an <laughs> engine. You know? It's like no one's gonna be behind me. I ain't gonna worry about that. <laughs> I, you know, metaphor metaphorically, I think I'm totally down with that. I think you've yeah. got something about the character. In his choice of vehicle, there is no reverse in a Batmobile. Right. In some right. versions, it just tilted the wheels and went sideways, right? Right. Or, yeah. or, or like, uh, remember what it was where? Or he just shot the sides and went through something. Right. Right. And was it yeah. the? Um, I can't remember now whether it was one of the previous generation Bat Bat movies. You know, like the post, the during or post uh, Batman and Batman Returns and all those. You know the 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 tim burton era ones right. or whether it was in batman v superman or whether it was batman v superman referencing it but somewhere along the line we had a batmobile that could only turn by sending grappling hooks into things and then swinging around them oh god what movie was that you're right because i mean they definitely did it in batman v superman right because he was doing it at that that weird dark flaming dock scene and he was right. like launched a thing and he spun he like Kareemed himself through some cars like, and killed people. I feel like that's a Burton. I feel like I think that Burton, Burton did it as well. Too. Didn't yeah. they do it because the, the the car was so long? It's like he couldn't. It didn't have any turning radius. So they just... yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a so whole thing silly. that happened. The last thing, the last little bit of news, and it's a bit political, but just if we take some of the politics out of it and just think about it from a nerd standpoint, it's yeah. absolutely fascinating. And we were talking about this at the start of the show um, that uh, John Boyega is in the out in front of the protests in London. Ah. And he's what? in leading, leading a rebellion. What's that's happening? what I'm saying, what's and that's that? what struck me about it is, it's this, it's it's boy, it's Finn finally getting to be in a in a leadership role that he never quite got in those movies, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. That is, kind that of is one of the failings of those movies. But yeah, yeah. they no, set him up and then put him to the side. 
and then yeah, John Boyega, that uh, he's so badass. Like, and if you see the like the shots and the videos of him talking, yeah. like that man's got charisma yep. coming Passion. out of yep. like he is. And I don't mean to say that in a way that makes it sound like he's using something. No. Like no, like he's up there doing a thing, and it's like, rock on, man. Yeah. So, uh, you saw Attack the Block, right? Oh yeah. So yeah. I remember thinking about him and Attack the Block the way I thought of uh, Daniel Craig in. Oh, I'm Layer blanking cake. on the movie that he did, huh? Layer cake. Layer cake. How you see it, and you're like, well, that guy yeah. is going to be yeah. something, right? Like, yeah. he's yeah. he's going to transcend and he's going to become a thing, and and yeah. or he should become a thing, right? Like, I don't think yeah. I expected Daniel Craig to explode when he was cast as Bond. It was quite a surprise, yeah, based on yeah. how he was in Layer Cake. And the other like, things he to, had done at the time. To be honest, like I thought, I thought it was gonna be Clive Owen because, like, yeah. I remember seeing Clive sure. Owen like croupier and being like, "How is this dude not a household name?" Right. You know? Right. But yeah. So yeah. Right. Keep going. Yeah. And and in the BMW mini movies oh, and 